0: This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew here with Spencer. And Spencer, we got to talk about this group, talk about the round of 16, talk about where
1: we're going here. But first, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good today, Andrew. We've got uh, wrapped up the round of 16 here. We're moving on to the quarterfinals, the business end, you may say, of this competition. And a lot of... Look, I I thought the fixtures this uh, round were a little bit of a lame duck in some circumstances. There's a couple surprises, but a lot of big teams and a lot of big fixtures coming up, man. I'm pumped about it. How about you?
0: Yeah, it was kind of like the appetizer round, especially with like, personally, right? For the USA going out in the first game really did kind of, I feel like, took some of the luster off of this for it, right? Because it was the USA winning, or I'm sorry, the USA losing sadness, depression. Right. And then Australia, like, and then it was basically just like chalk, right? Like, okay, well, if the U S isn't going to make a run, let's get all these other, you know, great job qualifying Australia. I thought that was really special for you. Right. Poland, get out of here with your no attack. You know that like Poland, get out of here. No attack. Like the whole thing kind of just was like setting up for this round, which I think is set up really, really nicely. I mean, but it hasn't been all chalk, has it?
1: hasn't been quite all chalk. We, I, Up until basically today, I'd say we <laughs> had all chalk, but uh shock today in Spain. We'll get to that in just a second. But um, yeah, it, it's been very chalky, but that leads us into really, really, really interesting quarterfinal fixtures. Like there's four fixtures and I'd say, three of them are real real standouts at the very least so yeah I'm I'm super excited to dive into them man but as you just referenced um not completely chalk if if Poland Poland if Spain would have done their job today <laughs> against Morocco we'd have uh, been really looking at a bunch of really 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 tasty fixtures but Spain's out man they lose to Morocco they're their former colony gets one up on Big Brother, kind of a la how we were uh, as U.S. fans against England. Um, one up on the former colonizer, and it's Morocco. The lone re- representative that's not in, am I mistaken? This is just off the top of my head, but the lone representative that's not from Bull or UEFA in the last eight, Andrew.
0: Correct. You are right on that. And first of all, Spain, my pick to win the whole thing, so make sure to mention that right off the bat here. Just just a disappointment from your boy. tough
1: one, buddy. Tough one, buddy. Yeah,
0: yeah, man. Not exactly. Hey, a hey, hey! hey. A know. moment
1: of silence for my boy Andrew and his pick being out already.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, and then uh, five moments of silence for the Qatar pick.
1: Oh, come on. No, I'm not. I'm not being oh. silent about that. Hey, my champion's still alive, baby. Oh, Leo dude. is still cruising.
0: Leo Leo, message. It really went out on a limb there. They haven't lost in 40 straight games. You <laughs> devil, you. And uh, they got the loss out of the
1: way. That's the best
0: part. Yeah, man. From <laughs> what I understand, Saudi Arabia, not in the tournament anymore. Um, but no, like I, I think Morocco play, did exactly what you have to do against Spain. You let them pass you to death. You You have to be defensively sound. And and they did all that, and they had. I mean, I think actually the first thing I want to talk about is when did everyone become so bad at penalties?
1: <laughs> some of as the a group, worst
0: as a group. No one. Some of the penalty.
1: worst penalties I've ever seen in this tournament. Like like in this tournament, I mean, I mean to say, I've seen some of the worst penalties I've ever seen across any competition ever. Japan. I mean, we'll touch on them a little bit their penalties were all terrible yesterday. Spain, oh my God, dude, like kick the ball with some pace, man. Just get up there, kick it hard and put it on net. And look, like we said, we're not the most savvy on actually playing the game, but I've, you know, kicked the ball around a little bit. I've played a little bit of soccer in my lifetime, man. And from a pin spot, you can't just kick it hard and put it in a corner as a professional soccer player. I don't know, because these are some of the dullest, most lifeless, least aggressive penalties I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, I have two theories here. First theory is was one, if you think about it, and this is not just a Chelsea thing, but like kind of the in-vogue way to take a penalty right now is to do the Jorginho, right? Which even without the hop is to look straight at the goalkeeper, wait till they go to one side or the other, and then just put it the other way. Right? Like that that's kind of like the hot way to take it, right? And I feel like a lot of guys are doing kind of a, a version of that and it's not as good and it works for Jorginho because he's the best at it, right? Most of the time. Um, so one I think is that, and like two, I th- the other part of it is I think in the World Cup, it's such a pressure filled moment that I think the way that these guys are taking penalties is the number one thing in their mind is just, like, just don't miss the goal. Just don't miss the goal, right? Like, if I put it wide or over the top, right, if I aim too far for the corner and I miss it, everything bad is going to happen.
1: I I think I see your point of view on that because, look, if you – Look at it that way. I, I feel like when you look back at tournaments, you remember the ones that missed the net more than you remember the ones that were saved. Like, those ones really stick out when somebody blazes it over the bar. But I don't know, man. I, I think that I I back the opinion of just go up there, hit it hard to one side. It, look, I, I'm if you put it on net and you hit it hard, at least it's not a lock that the goalie's going to stop it. When you hit a little dink like they're hitting right now, it— a lot of the players at least are hitting right now. Cause even Morocco, some of their penalties I thought were pretty soft. Just the keeper guessed the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um Look, if, if you guess, the, if the keeper guesses the right way, you're basically making it a 50 50 at that point. If you guess the right way, they're definitely stopping it the way with, if you're not going to kick it with any pace, I mean, at least, but um, you know, hit it hard. Maybe it goes top corns. They can't get over there fast enough. I, I'm always a fan of the just lace that baby into the top corner or at least into the side netting or something, just lace it as hard as you can. If I miss the net, I mean, maybe that's what's, that's the risk you live with in that situation, but I'm a, I'm very critical of the penalties this tournament and how, you know, uninspired they look, I suppose is the best word.
0: Yeah. Uninspired and just kind of to get back to that Morocco game and Spain, like, Spain did not play well it's kind of the thing they're stereotypically like criticized for right death by a thousand cuts but it's not going anywhere
1: it almost looked like is somebody might have said in our preview it, like it, was they,
0: great.
1: it almost okay. looked like they were they were lacking a goal <laughs> score I, I wonder who called that out I like you know well, just and I'm not a, I'm not a genius for that. A hundred people have said that of like, where are the goals going to come from? Like, you know, everything's great. The defense is great. The midfield's great. The wingers are great. Mm -hmm. But where are the goals? And um, look, Murata was pretty solid in the group stage, but they just didn't like they didn't have that cutting edge today, man. And it just kind of came back to bite them because they had a lot of possession. They looked good throughout the game. They had a lot of good attacks and there's nobody on the end of them, man.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know when you talk about, like, blame. Like, I don't think it all falls on Morata. I think Morocco had a really good – had a perfect game plan for Spain today, right? And Spa- Spain's not this juggernaut right now, right? They have that kind of reputation as being. But I think we're a World Cup or two too early here for this pe- – I, I was kind of imagining it, right, and taking a shot a little bit when I made that pick as a Pedri – Gavi breakout, you know what I mean, that kind of thing, and they played super well, but they weren't. it's just, it's too early. It's four years. Look out for them and the men's and the U.S. men's national team. But <laughs> I, I know you said that, but look, it came out in the pudding. Okay.
1: Look, um, you know, I don't want to take a victory lap here, but
0: because it starts in Qatar, that's where. <laughs>
1: Sorry. You could end my victory lap very quick. I got a lot of things wrong, but I, I, I do think, I, and I do think this uh, Spain team. I eliminated them in the group stage, man, and obviously that was not right. Super but yep. uh, Well, hey, they finished same points <laughs> as Germany if they didn't just batter uh Costa Rica that showed up, you know. week late to the tournament
0: can only only play who's in front of you man
1: oh i'm just saying that like costa rica i'm pretty sure that they were told that their first fixture was against japan and they just
0: look they're not notre dame they can't just schedule whoever they want oh okay here we go low
1: blow, but (laughs) just
0: just a little bit as we're as we're just shitting on my champion i gotta gotta fight back somewhat and we know fucking spain's not gonna do anything about it so
1: I, I'm ordering to say, I, I really do. It, I, it's the same thing. I kind of said in the preview when I eliminated them, I very, to be fair, I very sheepish sheepishly eliminated them in saying that they're going to be very good. When you look at this team, like so, so young, like somebody like, obviously there's guys like Pedri, Gavi, all those guys, somebody we didn't even mention when we talked about them before that looked really good for them. And is really young is, um, Williams, who I had no idea that him and Anaki Williams were brothers. Just, I, I don't know why I didn't connect those things ever, but brothers, totally brothers. Um, found that out today. That's fun. But they had a lot of young guys look really good for this team. And look, I, I think they're going to be a big player on this stage going forward. But one tournament too early, I think, for the Spaniards, Andrew.
0: Yeah, and, and that's not to take away anything from Morocco. I mean, um, Morocco played really well, right? They stayed incredibly organized on the back end. They got forward when they could. Um, I don't know that Portugal, today's other game, is really looking at Morocco um, with a lot of fear just because Morocco did not generate a ton of chances. They had they had some good chances towards the end, but um, I felt like a lot of their chances came from like a tired Spanish defense as opposed to really like breaking them down, breaking them down. But uh, I I think time to move on to the other game from today. Six one for the Portuguese with no Ronaldo. It's almost like maybe they're better off without him starting. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Um Look, I don't have a ton on this one. It's a shit-kicking, and I think that I might have the kiss of death in this tournament because, obviously, I picked the Serbs, if we're going to talk about bad take here. I I picked the Serbs to get far in this tournament, and Switzerland kind of ruined that dream. And so I was like, you know what? I think there's a lot about this Swiss team. And, of course, the moment I start to latch onto the Swiss team— they go out and they just get absolutely killed by a Portugal team that we were kind of unsure about. But look, man, I got to give a lot of, a lot, a lot of credit to the Portuguese manager because it's very, I think, easy to fall into the Ronaldo trap. I'm sure even more when it comes to like, like remember we were very much talking about how Eric Ten Hag it took a lot of courage for him to kind of shut Ronaldo out of the Manchester United team. I think that's amplified by about 10 to do it for the Portuguese national team because it's got to be a huge story there. I mean, obviously neither of us speak Portuguese or keeping up with their tabloids there, but it has to be a thing. of If he got this wrong and Portugal lose today, that's a... Massive, massive story. He's probably losing his job, one thousand percent over it. And he had the balls to keep Ronaldo out of the lineup and stick to his guns of being upset with him for the way he's handled himself during this tournament so far. And it 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 paid off for him, man, because they're looking really good.
0: Well, and like courage is like you know, oh, Gonzalo Ramos, who's the one who started in his place, right? does fine, maybe scores a goal. I mean, they scored six, so you figure the striker would get one of them. No, first hat trick of the tournament. Guy absolutely balled out today, right? There's getting it right, and then there's a victory lap for the coach. You talk about courage. He might start himself next game at this point, because he definitely has got the clout to pull whatever strings he wants. I mean, that's an experienced group. He also didn't start uh, your boy, Zhao uh, Cancelo, either today, right? Like, So he's just making big moves and it's hard to argue with him. I mean, but going with the 21-year-old striker here, uh, Ramos with the hat trick, man.
1: Yeah, I'd just simply say, and we'll, we'll talk plenty more about Portugal, but Fernando Santos, um, I, look, I don't know if, like, lottery is a thing in Qatar because, you know, they're super oppressive and they don't like anything that's fun. But if they do, I would go to your local Mini Mart and, like, buy a lottery ticket of some sort because everything was coming up roses for him today, man. Everything kind of finished perfectly, and look, um, some days you get it all right, and I'm, I'm not discounting what Portugal, get, Portugal did today. It was obviously very, very impressive, but <laughs> the margins in the sport we talked about when the U.S. got eliminated in that Netherlands game, they're so small because if things go wacky in this game, he's out of a job probably tomorrow like we've seen with some other managers so good on you be happy celebrated it but man the sport's crazy sometimes man it's, it's crazy the margins in it i swear
0: yeah and and those margins are kind of gonna be what we're looking forward to here um kind of moving into a new thing we've got going on here So we basically got the Elite Eight of soccer right now. We've got Netherlands, Argentina, Costa Rica. I'm sorry, Costa Rica. Wow. Croatia, Brazil, England, France, and Morocco, Portugal. Um, What we wanted to do is do something a little bit different to kind of uh, inject a little bit of life into the podcast instead of just talking about each matchup. I'm thinking we do something a little bit different, Spencer. What do you think?
1: What do you got, my man? I'm, I'm always down for something a little wacky. I'm thinking we just... Between, there's four
0: teams, there's two of us, or there's eight teams, there's two of us. Why don't we each pick a team of four, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of fantasy drafting our, who we think can take the whole thing here. What do you think? You down?
1: I think I'm into it, man. And um, I think it's a great idea for us to drive a little conversation. We can talk about each team afterwards. Um, That said, I think the only thing that's fair, since my champion obviously is still in the tournament and yours is on a little flight home right now as we speak i imagine i think the only thing that's fair is for um you to pick the first team here and we go in like a little snaky style here like you go then i get two in a row or what are we thinking
0: uh yeah and then yeah you get i go you get two in a row i'll take two in a row and we'll we'll uh talk about everybody here but yeah no if you're gonna give me the first pick i'm uh i'm not gonna fight john and i need all the help i can get Um, I will, I will go with the Brazilians. I will, I will take the, the dancing team. I will take the team having weird, not weirdly, but like the most fun at the tournament. Does anybody look like they're having a better time than that group? Like they are dancing after every goal. They've got a great kind of matchup here. I think with, uh, with Croatia, right. Of the teams that are left, I think Croatia and, uh, Morocco might be the two you want to be matched up with, right? But I I'm give me the Brazilians, man. They just put four past Korea, played them out of the game. I get Neymar, I get attacking talent, I get a great midfield, I get to ride with my boy Thiago Silva, like I what's not to like about this Brazilian team? Talk me out of them as the first pick. I I just take them. They're my team. But what do you think here, buddy?
1: Well, as much as I'd love to talk you out of this Brazil team, Andrew. I, I don't know if I, even if I'm Johnny Cochran, I don't think I could make a compelling point for you to pick somebody else at number one. Um, they look amazing, man. They're, they were frustrated a little bit by Switzerland, I thought, in that fixture. They obviously lost to Cameroon, but that was kind of a lame duck thing where they basically were guaranteed to finish top of the group no matter what. And... Serbia held them for a while, but in the end, they're just too good. Not look, we got to the South Korea fixture today. Um, all the love to South Korea, like great job getting out of the group stage and everything. I think that's awesome for you guys, but they, it was a bloodbath, Andrew. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can't it was, put...
0: and it was such a fast bloodbath too. It was like oh, you're busy for the first 30 minutes of this match? Great, it's 3-0. It's a commanding 3-0, like Venetia scores in the seventh minute. Neymar gets the penalty kind of with his, well, with his trademark and probably the best penalty of the tournament, which is a low bar, but, you know, smash that thing home. And then Richarlison, who's been really, really good for them up front. I I was a little bit worried when uh, Gabriel Jesus went down, but they haven't missed it for a minute.
1: Yeah, and I I did see today that uh, Gabby is going to be out for the rest of the tournament for a few months, matter of fact. But look, I I said it when Neymar went down and they were like, we think he'll be back, but we're not positive he'll be back. I I think there's not a team better set up to take a few losses in there. Maybe at fullback, like that's somewhere you can maybe get at them. But otherwise, look, they're two to three deep in almost every single position, and they have plenty of power to withstand a couple losses. Like, it's a real luxury. Like, look at us as the U.S. We're sitting here like, man, Josh Sargent went out. That was a huge loss for us against the Netherlands. Like, Brazil is just able to be like, oh, Gabby Jesus is down? Like, that's all right. We have three solid center forwards behind him, so... It's real nice. I I can't fault you for picking Brazil number one. They look very good. They're flying high right now. And yeah, I, I think they've got to probably be the betting favorites going into this quarterfinals, Andrew.
0: Yeah. It's one of those in retrospect, like we both did a preview. Neither one of us picked Brazil, like neither one of us picked Brazil. Neither one of us picked France. It's like, As soon as I heard you were going with Argentina, I should have just picked one of those two teams now that my team's out. But uh, speaking of the Argentines, is that where we're going with uh, Spencer's first pick here?
1: Well, um, obviously, the Argentines in general have had a bit of a shakier path so far. Obviously, their early loss to the Saudis um, recovered against Mexico and then pretty handily took a Poland. Um, a bit shaky against Australia in the round of 16, but kind of got going. Um, there's been some t- teams that have looked really, really impressive outside the Argentines, Andrew, but look, I'm a believer in karma here, and I think you dance with the girl that got, you bought to the dance, Andrew. So I'm going to stick with Argentina at pick number two here. Um, I'm proud to select my Argentines, Leo Messi. I think... They still have enough about them. I think they look – they're growing into this tournament. Look, it was a little – a bit shaky against Australia just in the score that it was 2-1. Australia had a late chance to tie it in some extra time. But, look, it was a crazy – they dominated that game. There was a crazy weird strike that deflected that went in the net for Australia. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that kind of made any jeopardy about the game for the last 10 minutes or so. Um I think they dominated Australia for the most part. I, I think it was similar to that Saudi game where they play that game 99 times. They win, or they play like game 100 times. I mean, they win 99 of them. I think that this team's still flying pretty high. And look, man, um, they have been Brazil's only kryptonite in the last couple years. Uh, and should they both win this quarterfinal fixture, we get to see the, uh, the oh-so-tasty fixture of a semifinal between these two nations. So I'm going to stick with my Argentines that bought me here and go about it that way. What do you think about Argentina, my friend? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you that they've grown into this tournament. The only thing I'd kind of
0: say, cause I, I did kind of think about taking Argentina first there, but um I don't know that I'm still, super sold on their defense just from a personnel thing they've played fine right I'm not really basing that off of anybody other than you look at the names playing at the back for for other countries um and they're definitely a more impressive group right with I'd rather take uh Militao Thiago Silva you know and and everybody back there rather than than that group I think is just a little a little shakier although they've been pretty good at this tournament um I think Martinez, like Emmy Martinez, I think has made some huge saves for Argentina, really keeping them alive sometimes. If they can continue to ride that momentum forward and positively, right, I, I just get worried it's going to catch up with them, right? I'm, I'm worried Messi and that offense won't be able to drag them out of something, right, if they're down two goals, you know. Um, but I don't have any glaring concerns. I I, I just truly like the Brazil squad more. Right? Is the only reason I didn't pick him.
1: And I think that's understandable. Look, I I think you referenced it a moment ago. Um, Neither of us picked Brazil in our previews. And I think that was more to be like the chalk team almost never wins the tournament. Something wacky happens. Uh, I, I think we all acknowledge Brazil was kind of the chalkiest team. And they all, like, we all knew how good this team is and they're living up to those expectations. I would say even in spite of the Cameroon thing, I just, I don't put any stock into that fixture, but Argentina has been good to me, man. I think, I think there might be something to, obviously you never want to lose your first game of a tournament, but I think there's something to that, that they've responded well to that and they've had to grow into the tournament. And Look, if you're asking me for my money, who's going to win this tournament, I think it's going to come down to whoever wins that Argentina versus Brazil fixture should that happen. If I was predicting it, I think that both these teams should get through the quarterfinals, barring something wacky. And man, they might be the best. World Cup semifinal fixture I've ever seen in my life. If we get that, I really need it to happen. I need the Netherlands and Croatia not to cause any drama to that happening because I just, I need it in my life, man. I need it injected straight into my veins, Argentina, Brazil semifinal to go to the final. Yeah, man. Um,
0: I can't falter there. That's
1: but it's what we
0: all want.
1: It's I'm 100% <laughs> and I, and I think that I fancy whoever wins that fixture should it happen. And I think, um, I like them to win the tournament, so got to take Argentina second. Plus, you know, they're my pre-tournament darling, and I'd like to look, you know, a little smarter, a little bit of credibility in the bank for some of the bad picks. That would definitely wash some of them away. But uh, moving off Argentina, if we're snaking this. I got the third pick here. and Yeah, where are you going I, here? Should I pick somebody from that Brazil-Argentina fixture not to win? I think the next favorite, Andrew, it's... It's got to be France, man. They look... Oh, lo- Oh no. I wouldn't letting France get to you at four, man, because France looks I should've good. I should have
0: been suspicious of your kind offer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kylian Mbappe unleashed a little bit at this tournament. He looks so good for them. Olivier Giroud unleashed, I should say, maybe... First and foremost, this guy is just, when he pulls in that France shirt, we, we talked about last pod, but just, you know, scorpion kicks, bicycle oh, kicks. This guy looks so good. This team looks so good as a whole. And we worried about the midfield a little bit of like being, uh, a, as I kind of referenced with uh, Spain as well, we were like, is it a, a tournament too early for Chua Mini? And um, holy hell, who am I forgetting? Camavinga. Oh, yeah, and, no. and
0: rabio has been playing more too, which I kind of expect. Rabiot didn't really as well. Expect. Yeah,
1: but this team looks really good. They look good at every position. They've been dominant, and yeah, I, I think you got to put them up there in the top three. Andrew, what what do you think about this French team this year?
0: France. I'll be honest, man. I think France was the other team I was really considering for that first overall pick. I, uh, um, they they've been. I think they've been the most dominant team, right? Um, we talk about Brazil getting kind of a nice draw there, right, um, and having no problem today. But, I mean, France played Poland off the pitch, too. They've played a ton of teams off the pitch. I mean, you get Mbappe going up top, and he plays so well with Giroud. And then, like, you know, guys like Ousmane Dembele, who've played really well in this tournament, we, you don't even talk about them. Right. All they do is get to the line and distribute the ball well and Antoine Griezmann and stuff like that. And I think, you know, as the reigning World Cup champions, it's really hard to to pick against them. Um, I go with Brazil just because I think they are they're the healthier team. I feel like is fair, you know, fair to say there. And um, I I think that uh, England France game is the one we've all got circled right now in this uh, first group of matchups here.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to England pretty shortly. I can't imagine they're going to be back. I can't imagine they're on the board next time I pick here. But <laughs> France, um, yeah, we, talk, we I, I referenced um, Brazil's depth kind of in positions, and France has been very France's depth that is has been very tested. Uh, but it, look, there's guys like Benzema who aren't there. Uh, Is Lucas Hernandez or Teo Hernandez? I get the two Hernandez brothers mixed up.
0: I think Teo's hurt. One of them's hurt. And then the other one played for him. I want to say it's Lucas is playing left back.
1: Right. But one of them got hurt. Um, (laughs) Obviously, like Ngolo Conte is not at this tournament. Paul Pogba is not at this tournament. This team's, for a lot of teams, that's plenty to bye-bye any chances we had of winning this tournament bye-bye but this France team is so deep man they're so deep and the crazy thing is that uh, like several of those guys um uh, specifically Conte and Pogba we knew before the tournament they weren't going to be there like they weren't even on the roster and they just keep pulling guys out and pulling guys out and <laughs> look this uh this team's scary. It, it, like. I, like I said, obviously, me picking them third, I, I think that whoever wins that Brazil-Argentina fixture has the best chance of winning this tournament should that happen. But France has got to be right there with them because they might be waiting in the final since they're on the other side of the bracket. And that'll be a absolute amazing fixture should we get either of those South American teams versus the French in the final. I would love to see it, Andrew.
0: Yeah, I, I think... I think France has absolutely got to be the favorite on that half of the bracket. Um, They're playing really well. And I mean, we said it, but I just want to make sure we're reiterating it. Like Killian Mbappe is the single most powerful offensive focus this tournament has right in world soccer right now. Right. Holland's at home, but Holland's not creating as much. Right. He's more of a recipient and nobody finishes like him. Right. Mbappe's just creating stuff for himself and other people right now. And it's, it's kind of scary to watch. It's kind of scary to watch, man.
1: Um before but, we move on, I won't I won't stand for this Erling Holland slander. I uh,
0: I didn't say it was sl- I said he's more of a finisher than a creator. You nah. make that argument? Yes. Why?
1: Because he's making Kevin De Bruyne's crosses under Pep and he's the best player in the world. Moving on.
0: No. Not moving. I'll take Hot take, on, Hot take. moving more. on. It's- Not hot if it's biased. It's just a biased tank. (laughs) There's no bias
1: at all in this podcast. The U.S. is winning the 2026 World Cup, by the way. Uh, Who you got with the uh, second round pick for you? You got two Uh, in a row. Who else you got?
0: Um, Your weird Mbappe slander is insane. Um, I think for my second pick, I got two in a row here. So splitting hairs a little bit, but I think I'm going to go with the English. I think
1: it's coming uh, home, Brev.
0: No, I, I don't, I don't know that it's going past this next round, but if I get two picks, I, I think if they can get through France here, I really like the way this tournament falls for them. Um, England's played really well. They've kind of got that attack working right now. Um, they also feel like they have just so many guys that they can throw forward, right? Foden, Rashford, Jack Grealish is playing. Okay. Right. Like, and then you, we didn't even talk about Harry Kane yet. Right. Like, they have Jude Bellingham. Jordan Henderson's been really good. Every button Southgate is pushing when he's not playing the Americans and can't score a goal for his life, right, is, is, is working really well. I think they're playing well as a team.
1: I think, and it's, it's a very tragic thing, so I hate to use it in this context, but the best thing that maybe has happened to this team in this tournament is Raheem Sterling having to leave. And I don't mean this is a shot at your boy, but he was your boy, it, my boy as well, but him having to leave um, because it's it terrifying. I mean, he had, there was an armed robbery at his home in England. Yeah. that He went home to address, which is horrifying and terrible. And I, you know, give all my best wishes to him and his family and his loved ones so that they are all okay. And they get it all sorted out, but him leaving's, opened the door to Phil Foden playing and he's been so good the last few fixtures man he's been really really good on that wing that uh Sterling vacated and they've looked a better team from it I'd say I,
0: I I think person probably I'm most impressed with in this tournament is Marcus Rashford just out of that attack right now um he's been somebody I always have really liked as a player right especially as a young guy here but he's you know, he can do kind of it all, right? You need somebody to run in behind. He's got world-class level pace, right? You need somebody to do hold-up play. He's he's a tall kid. He can do it, right? He can be in the box. He can, he can be a good player in that way as well. You need somebody to do intricate passing, you know, from a winger position. He can put the ball on a dime. He takes free kicks, right? Like, this is not an easy team to walk into and take free kicks, but Marcus Rashford scored one in the round before I think right against Wales, I think was when he scored his free kick. But um, if my memory serves, but like, we haven't even talked about Harry Kane, really. We haven't even talked about Bakaya Saka, right. Who's been great for them too. And I hope everything's okay with Sterling and his family, but it has kind of eased that pressure, right. Of who am I going to put into that mid or who am I going to play? um alongside Kane up front, right? Who is going to be a winger and, a, and, a, and an attacker like that, right? Sometimes less selection is more. Um, Jude Bellingham has been really good for them. I don't... <laughs> on this podcast, you never want to give the English too much credit for something, right? Um, but I I don't know that I'd, choose, I'd pick them to beat France in this tournament here, but I like their chances a lot more than I ever thought I was going to is kind of the way that I'll put it. And if this tournament breaks for them, I hope it's not coming home. I'd like it to stay abroad anywhere but uh, anywhere but England. But if those other teams are off the board, I, I think they got the next best chance.
1: Yeah, I can't fault you. Uh, we've got a vendetta against the English, obviously, here. But this is a really good team. They looked really good. Look, you can't ignore putting up six against Iran. Um, they put up what four, I believe, against Wales. They they had a couple shaky moments in that Senegal fixture, but I mean at the end of the day it's three nothing to them. They look good, man. They look really good. I fancy the French against them, obviously, but Should they get through that fixture, then I think it's a very much look out because this team is really flying high and they've got a nice path to the finals at that point, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you can also make a kind of a fun uh, punitive argument that the only good thing about if England, if they were to win the World Cup, would be to say the last team to be literally just as good as England would be America. Right, they'd have to win from here on out to get there. So, you know, we're basically co World Cup winners at that point. South Southgate can't get rid of us; they've still never beat us in a major tournament. And, you know, if you want to take uh, take the trophy home, that's fine. We'll take it every other weekend, and we get Wednesdays. So, I'm uh, I'm happy to make those convoluted arguments.
1: Uh- <laughs> Look, I, I still think I'm rooting for the scenario that they somehow beat France. They get to the, they beat whoever they play in the semifinal, and they get to tragic. the final something and mm-hmm. something, you know, tragic. They lose on penalties or something. I look, I, I can't say no disrespect. This be is the worst person t- in
0: The world would be like, man, I hope it all falls to soccer again. And he lets them down. What a jerk.
1: Look, I'm not going to wish evil <laughs> on anybody in particular, but like, I, I just,
0: I, I'd like him to miss a penalty. That'd be
1: kind I, of- I just, <laughs> I, I want it almost to be the most toxic. Look at the end of the day. English media is, you know, I think deranged and unhinged. And <laughs> if they get the most provoking, provocative scenario of them getting out of this world cup, I think that that's going to just make for the most fantastic, rough. the most fantastic few days of Twitter that I've had in quite a while, but it's all I um, got on the just, English man.
0: Just, just every podcast, anybody who wants to talk about it, I'm just all ears. And that happens. Um, Going on to my my third pick, or the first pick of the third round here, I'm going to go with teams we have a little bit of a vendetta against here. I'm going to go with the Portuguese as long as they keep Ronaldo on the bench. Like, six goals today. They've been impressive all throughout the tournament anyways, but, like, I love Rafael Leal. I, I love this team minus Ronaldo. I want to love them. And when they keep, when they start Ronaldo on the bench, it's much, much easier to love them, and that way I don't have to pick the Netherlands who have hurt me.
1: Yeah, the Netherlands have caused us some pain. Um, <laughs> but they, look, not I... I we think-
0: biased, but my heart hurts when I read the word Netherlands, so I'm just going <laughs> to pretend like they're not
1: there. 100%. I, I I can't disagree with you, though, on the Portuguese. I was kind of hoping they maybe slipped out of your radar because... I would have liked to take them and have them on my side going forward, but this team, um, we had a lot of questions about them coming in. The loss to South Korea was a little weird, but that was a bit of a lame duck for them as well. Like, they were already clinched. They probably had the one seed, so things looked pretty good for them. They rotated the squad a bit also. But look, at some point, you got to look at the important fixtures, I would say, like they beat Uruguay. They dismantled a Swiss team that I was, as I said earlier, starting to buy into a little bit. Um, and I think Fernando Santos, the manager, like his balls are, have you ever seen the episode of South Park where uh, that is Randy, he's carrying his balls around in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> it's kind of what uh, I think. That's kind of how I think Fernando Santos is bombing around Doha tonight is balls in a wheelbarrow. Cause look, it took big balls to bench Ronaldo and Cancelo, as you said, and kind of move away from that and see what happens. And
0: in an really elimination good, game, in an not, elimination, not, game. not in a, not in the third game of the group stage where they got stuff wrapped up, right? In an elimination game against a team who, like, you know, didn't like you talked about the Swiss earlier, but it's not like they came from a poor showing, right? Like there there's no reason to really expect six one today, right? That's the score we got and Portugal played them off the field, but I don't, I didn't go in expecting that. Maybe you did, but no, um, that's a, it's a
1: shocking result. I'm shocked that a defensively resolute team I would describe Switzerland as is just getting hammered, absolutely hammered by a Portuguese team. I had questions about, I, I would almost argue like obviously Morocco beating Spain is kind of a big upset, to me, almost the bit most like the biggest, most shocking result of the round of sixteen is Switzerland getting dismantled by this Portuguese team.
0: Yeah, so I will uh, happily kind of take them off, uh, take them off the board here, um, and then we kind of, and we go over to Spencer. Spencer, for your next two picks, who do you got?
1: Um. So. I got to go with, you know what? I'm going to punt on them for a minute because they've caused me personal pain. So I will Serbia pick the
0: Netherlands. out of the tournament.
1: <laughs> no, I'm talking about the Greg Slayers. The Greg Slayers and uh, Louis Van All in the Netherlands. I'm going to make them because they've caused me personal pain. They're going to, since I have a snake here, they're going to be the second of these two picks. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert.
0: Yeah, I knew that was coming.
1: But since. They're the Greg Slayers and have hurt my heart. I get to pick the Croatians first. Andrew, a, a savvy Croatian team that continues to do it at big tournaments. I, I heard somebody that the other day they compared this Croatia to like Belgium's gener- like Golden Generation, and they were saying, "Look, if Belgium has pulled had pulled off what Croatia has done in this generation." We might even be talking about Belgium differently, and this Croatian team keeps going. Um, Gvardiol, man, do I want this guy. He keeps saying maybe to no. basically every – he basically says maybe to every big club one. in the world. Let me have one. <laughs> I, I think I've seen Fab. We tried I think to seen buy him Fab. like a
0: year ago. We're still trying.
1: <laughs> Fab, I think I've seen this week literally tweet oh. like six different clubs and be like, Gvardiol quote – yeah, maybe I'll no, be no, a Real no, no, no. Maybe Start I'll, I'll be right a Chelsea
0: player. Who did he do this to first? We talked about this the other day. I yeah. walked you through it. Me and Faber are in a fight, guys. Me and Fabrizio Romano. He's it's hurting my feelings. It's too painful. Walk him
1: through He's it, he's, it. He's, he's, fit a, he's hit a few maybes saying Gavardial is like, maybe I'll play for this team one day. Maybe I'll play for this team one day. Like a bunch of but nothing Fab burgers. With
0: Chelsea. It 100%. always Chelsea first. Tease Chelsea first. Then we get some real news.
1: Bunch of nothing burgers, just getting a bunch of people up in arms. I'd love to see him in a city kit one day. Andrew's rattled. Not a bunch of people. Um,
0: Me, this is a personal attack. Specifically, Andrew, he feels attacked.
1: He's been texting me all week about it.
0: Post USA loss in a a time of need, a vulnerable. I believe it was
1: the same day as the USA loss. That was a tough day day for my boy. Before
0: the next game even started, we'd barely even wrapped up the pod, and he's like. Chelsea would be a great thing to play. I have Mateo Kovacic there. He's my Croatian teammate. And then like a couple hours later they're like, "Would you like to play for Real Madrid?" He'd be like, "Oh, it would be such and this is Vardy, right? Oh, it would be such an honor to play for them." I also have my teammate there, Luka Modric. It's like, "What are we doing?" What?
1: I think great I think and the, the only is
0: Ngolo Kanté shot he put in there too. I was like, "This is brutal sorry the only There's logical thing oh it's all good show, I, i'm just gonna go going to the city, i'm gonna have an aneurysm i don't want to hear it it's not the time. The
1: only logical time. thing to happen now is that city we we referenced it when we did our preview pod of like borna sosa was linked to city so we have to go get that guy and then we'll be like hey Guardiola, what do you think about playing for city He'll be like oh my teammate borna sosa plays for them it's very good pep guardiola good coach maybe i play there one day so we got to throw our, Ooh, our hat <laughs> we got to throw our hat in there, but he's been really good. He's been really good, man. Um, his midfield, Luka Modric is like, you know, 76 years old. He's still doing it. Um, Mateo Kovacic, your boy. He looks yeah. really good for them. Uh, Brozovic, Brozovic love, looks good. Parisich looks too. good. That yeah. header by Parisich for the goal was really nice in the oh, last yeah. game yes against Japan um, they're a little bit bailed out and that Japan took some of the worst penalties we've ever seen like we referenced earlier but <laughs> yeah that was until Spain played today and kind of bailed Japan out for remembering the team that was worse than a penalty shootout but this Croatian team savvy and if they weren't going against almost any other team besides Brazil in this quarterfinal I would put them probably higher on this list they're obviously this Finalist at the last World Cup, they're always kind of in and around at these major tournaments, and yeah, I, I think they're. I, I would logically pick the Dutch before them, but since they've harmed me, I'm going to go with Croatians first.
0: And I and I love this Croatian team. I, I made a big case for them in the, in the pod preview, right in the groups preview. There, um, I, I think they can do a lot here. I did consider them. But with Portugal on the table, I, I couldn't go that way. But uh, I was absolutely hoping they'd fall to me at the end here. But let's let's get to your next pick, the the Flying Netherlands. The flying if you thought I was – look, look,
1: look, I think that we've completely – if there is a Moroccan person listening, they're screaming at their steering wheel or their computer or their headphones, whatever. They're at their cubicle just screaming right now because – Look, I'm not discounting what they did. I think it's awesome. I think it's great, but you are. there's no chance that I can, <laughs> in good faith, pick them over either the Croatians or the Dutch here. And as much yep. as I'd like to, you know, discount the Dutch and say that, you know, they've hurt me, they've hurt my soul. I've been a sad boy for a couple of days now for what they did to our boys this Dutch team looks really good in that fixture against us. And, uh, I think we'll end up diving more into that in a minute. Cause we've got a nice little unpack the USMNT bag here in a minute after we get through this little snake draft. But look, this Dutch team looks really good in that fixture. They, uh, Louis van Gaal. I, uh, well, like I said, we'll talk about that more, but he, he coached Greg off the pitch. I thought, um, even though he's not allowed on the pitch he's only on the sidelines but he coach him off the sideline back to the locker room kind of um Depay looks like he's coming into form a bit uh that defense is obviously very stout with any combination of lately it's been Timber, Aké and Van Dyke back there but even if you throw Matthias Delict in there like what a what a problem to have that you're trying to squeeze Matthias Delict into the team somehow so right
0: yeah not, not um, exactly walker zimmerman back
1: there right and then like you know we sat there and we said oh we can get a daily blend daily blend and the guy gets a goal and assist i believe the last game so and i still have my concerns about him getting back but look this team looks really good De is good um argentina will be a tough fixture for them but I I think they have a chance to get that fixture and play spoiler for this pick fixture that we all want in Argentina and Brazil, but um, the Netherlands are good this year, man. And they've maybe fit into that category of growing into the tournament similar to Argentina. I think the way they took care of the U S pretty comfortably will help aid them going into that fixture. They should be flying pretty high and yeah, I, I think they're at least in with a shout against Leo Messi and the boys Andrew what do you think yeah I I think that's like the probably
0: the second best matchup of this next round um I weirdly think that the Netherlands are a bad matchup for um for Argentina Argentina's got them on talent and with Leo Messi it's hard to bet against them right but they're very well organized they play three at the back right they shouldn't they play with they have high level defensive players and midfield players who are not going to be shocked or don't know to check runs or go with um this incredibly like explosive attack of argentina right most of these players already play at the top level of their, you know in the top leagues in the world and the champions league so while this amount of firepower is difficult for any team to deal with it's not foreign right you know what i mean it's not something they've never seen before it's not something they can replicate and as they proved last game, like they have enough going forward, right? They got Gakpos playing really well right now. They've got Denzel Dumfries flying up and down the right, the right, um, who caused us a lot of trouble. Um, and then you got Memphis Depay. Like they've got good enough players up front to kind of steal this game from Argentina, right? It the Dutch showed like if they can just be the more organized team, I think they've got a really good shot here of, uh, of taking out your Argentines, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah I, yeah, I think that's uh I think that's the second best matchup, and I think so pretty easily.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with you that there's definitely a world that exists where Louis Van Gaal plays spoiler to us all. Um but I need him not to do that because I need Argentina Brazil, man. I fucking <laughs> need it. I fucking need it so bad, man. And um this Dutch team's impressive. I don't mean to discount them at all because they are very impressive, but nah, look, we all need it, Louie. Just just fall on the sword, man. You've had a great career. We all appreciate it. Just fall on the sword for us and just give us Brazil, Argentina, dude, please.
0: Just give. inject it right into my veins. Inject it into my blood. It's um, the only...
1: I don't ask for much in life. Like My wife asked me the other, the other day. She's like, what do you want for Christmas? And I'm like... I don't know, like some new gloves, maybe some like socks. I could use some new underwear. There's some holes in some of them. Like that's what I want for Christmas. I just give me an early Christmas present. Brazil versus Argentina in a semifinal to go to the finals. I, I need it. I'm sorry, Louis. Need I need it.
0: it. Speaking of things we need, like
1: the
0: the Moroccans to not beat the Spanish today, that is who I will be taking. Um I don't really uh, shocker. Hey man, look, they're the last ones left, but Andrew, like saying, I need hey, you.
1: I need you to make Khalif from Casablanca happy here. Cause he's yelling at his steering wheel because well, we're that's just what I was
0: about to say, if there's one thing you should not want in this tournament, it's Spencer believing in you, right? Oh, he didn't take the Argentine single-handedly, but guitar is not dancing, right? Serbia is not dancing. I, there's a couple other ones I'm forgetting in there. Right. But like those are the two that sp- that stick out to me. They played a perfect game against Spain today, right? They they were very, very just solid, well-organized. And with the guys like Ziyech, Hakimi, um, Masraoui, I thought was really good today, right? They have enough to get a couple goals, right? They have a favorable matchup with Portugal here, right? Portugal has been playing really well, but they're not exactly the juggernauts of Brazil and, you know, that kind of thing, right? So they got kind of a favorable draw, right? You could be playing France, England, Brazil, or Argentina in this, and they got Portugal who've been good, right? But are not the most settled team, right? They're, again, talking about playing like a colony, you know, like they're very close geographically. A lot of, they're going to have a lot of overlap between their players playing in those leagues and everything else there. I I'm not going to be shocked if we're if uh, Morocco is playing either France or England in the next round, right? They they played really well today, and they have the talent, right? It's not just a like a Japan situation, right, where they've got so much organization and they do all the right things, but they just don't have the end product, right? They just don't quite have that talent to push them over the top. As much as I hate to say it, Hakim Zayek is really good at uh, soccer when he's not playing for Chelsea. <laughs>
1: Like just an aside, um, and here's a total shit on my credibility moment. I had completely forgotten that Roman Sais of uh, Wolves a couple Uh years ago was Moroccan. They were like they said his name on the broadcast, and I was like, "Oh, he's Moroccan!" Right? Yeah, that's right. He is Moroccan. Uh, They've look. They've played very well this tournament. I agree with you. They've looked very energetic they've looked up to it they've gotten their tactics right in almost all these games so far and i agree with you there's definitely a scenario where they take down portugal and they just slay all of the iberian peninsula and you know a quick knockout round tournament just spain first portugal second move on to the semifinals and Look, I I don't fancy them against Portugal. I don't fancy them against either England or France, but these tournaments are funny, man. And if they get their tactics right a couple more times, like I I don't think it's the craziest thing to see a Morocco in a final. And then who knows, you know, if you, if you outmanage them one game, I I, I, look, I, I think that they are obviously the least favorited out of these teams that are left, these eight, but I don't think it's, the craziest scenario that just something weird happens. Weird things happen at this tournament, Andrew.
0: Yeah. And, and even from like, um, from just a like draw perspective, right? Like not playing Brazil huge, right? Not going against some of these bigger teams like Portugal is Portugal can be there for the taking, right? Portugal was not world beaters in the group stage, a well-organized team, can kind of exploit them here. And I don't know that I'm picking that to happen, but it's certainly not, it's not out of the question here. So while they are, yes, they are the last team, right. I was stuck with them. Um, I, I think they got, they definitely got a better shot than the Croatians. I'd love to have Croatia come through and surprise us all, but I, I think Morocco has got a pretty decent shot here to get to the next round.
1: they got a better path than the Croatians. I would give you that for sure. But
0: well, Actually, if Croatia can get past Brazil, they've got an easier pass. But you have to start that by getting past Brazil, which is a uh,
1: tough, not tough the, assignment. Not,
0: not for the faint of heart in this tournament.
1: But that's the uh, that's the old snaky snaky there, Andrew. So what you come out with.
0: Yeah, I, I got it. Bra- here. I got so I've got Brazil, England, Portugal and Morocco, while Spencer grabbed his Argentinian's. Uh, France, Croatia, and the Netherlands as a just true trader hates the USMNT. Definitely orders fish and chips. It's a problem.
1: Propaganda. Propaganda. <laughs> um,
0: and we, so I think that kind of wraps up. We'll, uh, as we get into the next round here, those games will start taking place on the 9th, which is Friday.
1: Friday, so Friday unfortunately I have a bone to pick with FIFA of not putting these just games put on, on Saturday, Saturday Sunday
0: man. just put it on Saturday put them all on Saturday and Sunday right do you only got four two games. on
1: Saturday two on Sunday it would have been perfect but you know they've just they've, they've, they've got to just Give us and look. I, I'm gonna get into the not for the people FIFA. I'm I'm gonna people. get into the getting shafted by FIFA thing in a minute when we talk about the U.S. team, but and that's a where's Spencer going with that type of thing. But <laughs>
0: that's exactly the face I just made. I mean, um, no more yeah. so than normal, but we'll see. We'll see what Spencer but, got here.
1: Yeah, it, it sucks. Come on, just give it to a Saturday and Sunday. I I know that they're. Maybe it's selfish. I know there's countries in the world that their weekends are not Saturday and Sunday. They're like Friday and Saturday or whatever. The but
0: majority like, is Friday, is
1: Saturday. Sunday. Most of Europe, us You're over here, a, a lot
0: of TV money. Just fix it for
1: us. Come on, help us out, man. But let's uh let's segue that, Andrew, and let's go into the. We've had a few days to reflect here about the US MNT USMNT. Um, kind of a, you know, from 30,000 type of feet view. Now we were very raw and stuff on Saturday when we talked about it just right after the U S loss, but kind of, uh, where, where are your feelings now? A few days later, you've had a few days to reflect kind of. Wrangle it all in, all your feelings. Be a little bit less emotional. I think on both of our sides. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Uh, where are you falling on this usment right now? Going forward, what are your real blazing thoughts about the team?
0: The farther we get from the actual sting of the loss, the easier it is to be just super positive about this like core group. Right, um, the U.S. men's national team as a whole. I don't know how I feel about. Um, you know, cause then it gets into like the organization and is Greg good enough to take this job stuff. I'm sure we'll kind of talk about here, but like the idea for the idea of like the core group, right. Which I'm kind of defining as Christian Pulisic, Eunice Musso, uh, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Tim Weah, Giovanni Reyna and Brendan Aronson, right. Those six guys. And at Matt Turner, right? Just guys you can probably count on being there for the next four years, unless something happens where they're, you know, one of them's very injured or somebody really comes out of nowhere and cements their place. But I just, I love that group, man. They're such a fun, like, likable group, right? There's nobody in that team you're pushing out. It's only people you want good things for, right? There's no, even like, just always the ill will of like the men's national team in years past have been like, like, remember back to like Michael Bradley and just being like, he's got to get out of this team. He's got to get out of this team. And then he's out of the team. And it's like, well, we don't really have a lot of other midfielders or Giasi Zardes is not a real number nine. He's not good enough to play. And then he's out of the team and we don't have a number, nine, right? Like there's none of that negativity right now about core players. Like Landon Donovan's a great example too, right? Where, you know, he comes back to help us qualify and then, Jurgen Klopp leaves them off the roster, right? There's, there's none of that right now. It may surface between now and then, but to be honest with you, man, I just, I just love this group. They're all root. They're all easily, they're easy to root for. They've all got big career moves kind of coming up for them. Right. Um, just I, I had Instagram up while we were talking and just, you know, the first thing that pops up is Eunice Musa being courted by Chelsea and Liverpool and a bunch of other big teams. Like, that's exciting and fun, man. I heard McKennie you know, like might get a move to Tottenham, and while it's the wrong side of London, like these guys played well and are being respected on the men's and on the world soccer level. Sergino Dest, I didn't even bring him up, but he he played great. He's back in conversations in this. Anthony Robinson's maybe getting a move to Inter Milan. Like it's just a fun time. Like what the the more the disappointment wears off, the more I'm really just able to be like, we've got a good young fun group. They play well together, right? If we can just get some pieces and maybe a different coach, man. Like, I don't know. But what what are what are your feelings as we get a little bit of space here?
1: So I think that was like a great synopsis of like the roster. I think there's so much to like roster wise going forward, and as forward, I mean to like 2026. And I don't think that even begins to at least you hope so as a USMNT fan. You hope it doesn't even begin to like encompass the entirety of what like a roster might be in 2026. Um yesterday I kind of was thinking back and I was like what does like like what what were we not thinking about in 20 20- that's for the 2018 world cup but the 2017 qualifying cycle like we like think about it this way right 2017 um omar gonzalez is scoring that own goal like that's terrible when's the la- like that's the last time i've Wait, thought hold about on. It. you
0: want me to think about that
1: no right no. I, I know i know you don't want to but i think if you turn that into a positive light when's the last time you thought about Omar Gonzalez being a starter for this team? It was probably that game. Like you've never thought about Omar Gonzalez being part of this team. I don't mean that as shade as Omar, Omar Gonzalez himself. Like I'm sure he's a nice guy, great guy. I've heard great things about him around the team when he was with them, but I more mean to say that, look, we have no idea what guys are going to come up between now and then. Eunice Musa wasn't even declared for the U S at that time. Um, Weston McKinney had, like, I believe, just maybe started to have an, like, a chance of breaking in at Schalke. Christian Pulisic was still finding his way at Dortmund, like just getting out of the academy, just starting to have a bit of hype. I, I mean, he was hyped for us, but he was still, you know, a rotation player at Dortmund at that point. Um, Tyler Adams, still in MLS, like starting just to establish himself in MLS. So my point just is to be, we don't know who's going to, over the next four years, really establish themselves. Um, There's a lot of contenders, certainly, but four years is just a long time. I know when I think back to us not qualifying in 2017, it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but when you really try to, Retrospectively, look at it. You're like, so much has changed with this team, and so much is different that you just have to anticipate. There's going to be guys that break in, and that's great for the team. Because today, I, I don't know. When we sat back after, maybe I shouldn't say today, but two days ago, when I sat back and looked at the team after we lost, I'm like, yeah, this guy will be back, and this guy, and but will be back, and this guy will be back, and that's true for a lot. Like a lot of those scenarios are true, but naturally the way this sport is growing in this country, you have to imagine that there's probably some 16, 17, 18 year olds right now that we barely even know about that are going to start to pop over, pop off over the next few years. And, um, the squad will look similar, but I'm sure there's going to be some differences when we're, reassembling in 2026 for the World Cup, Andrew. Um I don't know. Do you have any points on that in its own?
0: Yeah, the and the 2026 World Cup seems so far away, right? It's it's impossible to kind of forecast, right? Um We kind of talked about it a little bit with like the guys we know probably aren't gonna be there just because four more years of soccer at a high enough level doesn't seem Super likely, right? And the really the only two we could say that about was Tim Reem for sure and DeAndre Yedlin for sure, right? Those two guys are probably in their last World Cup and hopefully most of their last qualifying cycle. But even just the guys on the periphery like Walker Zimmerman, not necessarily aged out, right? Kellen Acosta, not necessarily aged out, right? Guys, maybe, maybe we, we hope get aged out or just there's more talent that those guys aren't still around and part of the thing, but like, you bring up guys like Omar Gonzalez and stuff like that. There was never a sense with most of that men's national team that didn't qualify of where we where will they be in four years, right? Because that group that didn't qualify was still mostly kind of the old guard, right? It's Brad. Like, it wasn't a hopeful group. This team qualified and is hopeful and is looking forward and making big moves. And it's just kind of a fun... It's a super fun time to be a men's national team fan. Um, I did see, I don't know that it's confirmed yet, but it looks like they will be playing in the Copa America as a guest team in 2024 here. Uh, any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, yeah, so I will dive into that in just a second. I just do just want to say that, yeah, I, I agree with you. A lot of those guys from the 17, 16, 17 cycle that this team didn't qualify. They had a, a stench on them and there was always going to be a rebuild. But I think a great example just of this team going forward is like, look at somebody like our boy Joey Scales. Um, <laughs> we think right now that it's nailed on Sergio Dest. I would say 95% of the fan base probably thinks it's nailed on of Serginio Dest and Anthony Robinson are our two best fullbacks. But uh, look, Joey Scales he's 19 coming into this tournament i believe like where we have no idea where he's going to be in four years from now he might totally supplant one of those guys and that's just within the squad that's that's somebody that made the squad and stuff
0: and it's him going over a guy like sam vines who no to sam vines not the age profile you want especially going to the next tournament not good enough right when he played with the u.s but like that was before, like the MLS kind of like substitute, like oh, he's a really good MLS player for the Colorado Rapids or whatever, right? That used to be the guy who like started for the national team. That's not a high enough level anymore, unless you play like a certain position. You know what I mean? Like just think of it that way as a the level. The, you know what I mean? Like this the floor is raised, right? Our ceiling's way higher than it's been in a long time, but that floor is raising too. As you have guys who are casually every weekend competing at the highest levels of soccer.
1: Yeah, and I have MLS in relation to us mint thoughts in a minute. But I want to tackle your original question of um Copa America. And I believe unless that it's dropped in the last little bit, I don't believe that's confirmed yet to answer your question for one. Mm-hmm. Um but it needs to be Andrew. It's it's fucking got to be I, I don't care if you have like hell or high water, the U.S. Soccer Association has to figure out a way for the U.S. to play in that tournament and be invited to that tournament and to get our good players to that tournament. Because I believe I heard earlier today that if you're an invitee to a tournament, um, since we aren't technically in Cotton Bowl and they just do that thing of inviting teams sometimes, uh, clubs are not necessarily... Yes. Uh, what's yes. what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're not They're not required. They're obligated, thank you. They're not obligated to send players over. Uh, look, um, we'll get into manager talk in a second. Whoever the manager is, they, they're going to have to negotiate with these clubs to get some of our good guys there because we – this is a big bugaboo of mine with the U.S. Um, we've got to find a way to play more competitive fixtures than we're playing right now because – We've alluded to the Gold Cup in the past. It's it's fun when you get to the last couple rounds of it and we're playing the Costa Ricas and the Mexicos of CONCACAF. Like, yeah, then it's fun. But, you know, I I, I don't get up too much for us in the group stage against Antigua and Barbuda or something like that no no shade Antigua and Barbuda I'm sure you're a beautiful country and you have great things and great cuisine but you're not great at football and me beating uh, like I, I love to win eight nothing against somebody but you know it's it's not getting me up for that game this team I, I I think after that Netherlands fixture in particular um we'll talk about Greg in a moment I've got some new thoughts on Greg that have settled in over the last few days, but like uh, the Netherlands kind of that game was comfortable for them in a lot of ways. I I think the US had a lot of possession and stuff, but the Netherlands we kind of played right into their hands. We kind of played right into their hands. Yeah, and um, part of that look, I think we got a lot right in the England fixture, which England's obviously a very good team, but we got to find a way to be more competitive at this elite national level. Um, if we want to be successful and have real runs in major tournaments. Um, I think that some of our weaknesses kind of shown in that last game, I, I think in this tournament in general, like even like a Wales, this is a like, look, if you look at Wales, they're a team that's, what would you say? Very mediocre in Europe. And, very fringe qualifying for like a world cup, very the, the probably in the euros, but they're not a lock for the euros and tactically they kind of like we got them in the first half, but tactically they got us to us in the second half. And that's things that we need to work on. I think Andrew. Yeah,
0: I, I think like Wales is a good example, right? Because I think Wales needs to be the minimum level of team we're playing. Right. Eventually, it's, you know, it's nice every once in a while to have to go play Honduras and we can try some stuff out because we've kind of, you know, talked about that, too, that Greg didn't take enough chances to try things out and get new players in here. So, um, but I, I think that's got to happen against good competition, right? If something works against our Antigua and Barbuda, Barbuda, Bar- Antigua and Barbados, right? Barbuda. Yeah, Barbuda. They're they're barbuddy. They're booty. They're not very good. They're booty um, at soccer. Yeah, they're yeah, it's bar beautiful this time of year there though. Um, I guarantee. It. <laughs> but like what they have in talent, they need to find answers to try new things and find different ways to get all these guys on on the field at the same time, right? That was kind of my main takeaway. Is we have our best players and they're not all playing at the same time, right? It's hard to do. not Not everybody can do it, right? Just based on positional availability, but the Reino thing cannot be an issue going forward. I don't care if you got to put him, nail him on there as a starter next to Pulisic, just so that he feels good about this. But whatever that was with all that weirdness can never happen again, right? If Greg wants to keep his job and and have people still be thinking positive thoughts about the men's national team where they are and that's kind of another whole question but they need to play at this higher level they need to it just has to be the standard
1: 100% i agree with you and let's have greg talk in a second i want to park that for just a moment though to say that i i think for the better of both connimble and concacaf we need to find some type of common ground to play more competitive games against one another because look, CONCACAF, there's like 60 fucking countries, but you know, 55 of them are dog shit at soccer <laughs> and have like, you know, a hundred thousand people or less. People yeah. yeah. Um, and Bull, there's a great level of play down there, but there's, I believe off the top of my head, 13 or 14 countries in South America. Um, like I said, it's, it's just grueling qualification and stuff. They have more than... They they, they bring more to the table than CONCACAF does uh, competitively. But look, how many World Cups straight has Europe won? I mean, <laughs> we're going back into the 90s, I believe, to find a South American-Brazil winning, winning a World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Europe's really taken a step past everybody. And... Um, you know, I, the, the bad ones stand out to you, but even look at like a Brazil that hosted the tournament in 14 and they get embarrassed by Germany at home. I think that both these confederations need to come together. We need some sort of something that's similar to like the confederations cup back in the day of like these teams, playing each other, like the U S playing some teams from Europe and like some somewhat competitive fixtures and some teams from South America, like Copa America would be awesome, but I think we need more than that. And it would, I think benefit both confederations to just get some more competitive fixtures against one another. Andrew.
0: I I think, I think the problem with that is it makes a ton of sense for CONCACAF, right. To really branch out and bring as many of those teams in as they can, because You know, let's be honest. The teams not qualifying out of CONMEBOL are way better than the teams not qualifying out of CONCACAF, right? Um, I think the truth of it is is that the North American Federation needs you know all those teams, right? Not just the not just Brazil and Argentina, right? Like they need all those teams to put together a really good um, you know constant slate of games, but. South America does not need you no know, the U.S. and Mexico and Canada coming into their tournament all the time, right? I hope they get asked to do it because big tournament experience is great, but I just don't know how often that will be the case, right? That they need us to go down.
1: My argument for Cotton Bowl wanting to do this would be, as I kind of referenced a minute ago, that they're, Europe's kind of taken this thing over, man, and... At the very least, I understand that in general, you would fancy... Like, Obviously, I think an Ecuador is way better than a um, Costa Rica or something. But I think when you get into that U.S.-Mexico, like Mexico is a team that until this last tournament, they're always getting out of the group stage. The U.S., it, most of their World Cups are getting out of the group stage. These are teams that are competitive at that level typically when they go there. And if and nothing else, if you're a Brazil, an Argentina, a even an Uruguay, or I know Colombia is not at this tournament this year, but like a Colombia, Chile teams that are typically pretty good, Ecuador. It gives you something different than what you see in South America, right? Because I think a lot of the times regions, um, the football can be a bit you know every kind of region of the world kind of has their style of football sometimes and you can get a little caught up in oh we've seen even though i'm sure ecuador obviously goes out with a more pragmatic approach than a brazil who's a little more free flowing but it gives you a chance to see teams from different regions that have a little bit different of a playing style that can go out there and just be something different give you an idea of something different you're going to see at these tournaments and when you look at the US and uh, the US I shouldn't say in particular but CONCACAF and Bull, we're in similar time zones like logistically I'm not saying to fly from you know Sao Paulo to Los Angeles is a short flight it's still several hours but it's much more Doable than like them going, them flying in an international window to London or something. Like these are sure. things I think you can work out. You can have these teams play each other, just see different things. Obviously, I think it is more beneficial. I would beneficial. like to
0: see it too. I just don't think we don't raise their profile, they raise ours. Right. So if we have to give them something, even if it's just that sweet, sweet American television money, which. Everybody loves in CONCACAF, right? Everybody loves in CONCACAF. I'm sure the uh, Brazilian Federation, I'm sure the Peruvian Federation would not be um, upset to get that sweet Fox money or Peacock money or wherever they're going to stream or host these games, right? But um, it's not needed from them, right? Adding three teams in does not put them on par with Europe, right? Brazil and Argentina just being better teams is the only thing that can kind of take that back away from um, but we're I think we're kinda getting into a weird thing. I, I really hope that they play in the Cope America. Um I hope we're able to I bring the squad. To. Oh, they they have to. If not that, something equally you know, like get into the UEFA Nations League. I know you can't do it, but you know, <laughs> wriggle your way well, in there. Figure I, I think.
1: You. I think sorry to cut Hold you off. Host
0: of like I, Host a big so, tournament. So, right? Yeah,
1: sorry like, to cut you off, man. But I think like UEFA Nations League is a great example of like i listen to a lot of english media obviously and they sit there and they bitch and they bitch and they bitch about the uefa nations league and these are just glorified friendlies and stuff man we would kill to have high level fixtures against teams like the netherlands belgium uh france germany spain i we would kill as american fans because we we're always in a waste we're always in a wasteland of fixtures anyway because I'm going to go at him again, but like, you know, Antigua and Barbuda aren't good. We play a lot of not good teams. Like uh, the Bahamas are not good at soccer. Um, Even when you get into CONCACAF qualifying, and that's like a huge thing to me is going into this tournament. I'm very worried about we don't have, if we don't have to go through qualifying, which it sure as hell seems like we're not going to have to, where are the competitive fixtures coming from, like going into 2026, Smith? Like that's why I think they have to get into Copa America somehow.
0: Yeah, get into Copa America. Host a tournament. Host a big tournament. Invite call it the you know World Select fucking cup. Invite everybody who didn't get out of the group stages, right? Invite everybody who did get out of the group stage. I don't care. Figure it out. We've got enough stadiums and people who want to come watch sporting events in this country. As long as you don't price these like NFL games, people will come and watch soccer. The MLS is a great example of this. Put them in MLS sized stadiums, right? You got St. Louis City FC, right? Got a brand new one here. Stadium, right? Put any, put any international team playing any CONCACAF team, right? And you'd fill that thing up. It's not that. It's not that many people, man. I would go to a hundred thousand plus in Kyle Field watching Texas A&M play poor football every weekend. It's not that hard. I would.
1: I would kill. I would kill to watch Kosovo versus Costa Rica in St. Louis, dude. I would definitely go to the game. I have a wacky idea of like, what if you do a... In the the year after the World Cup, like, so next summer, say, what if you do like a equivalent to a World Cup, but it's it's like an NIT type of thing (laughs) where it's like, Basically all the teams from like for North America, the best way I guess is the teams that don't make it out of the hex, the four teams that don't make it, you invite, you know, 32 teams or whatever. And it's just an NIT world cup, basically of how we have it in March madness, where it's all these little bit lesser nations, all the like, European, like Italy, I'm sure Italy would love some competitive uh, football. Right. Kind of a similar, it's like a Europa League. That's a great way to put it. Of like, it's a Europa League of the World Cup type of. Do we thing. have to I,
0: bring Arsenal? Do we have to bring them?
1: Um, they'll, they'll definitely not, be there not at this point. Yeah, they'll definitely be there. I think. But one last <laughs> oh, thing, we, gotta, we got
0: Yeah, we got a lot to do. Go ahead. We got We got to get
1: through one more thing before we end it here, Andrew, and that's the. As we said, we, we talked the other day. We were really walking the fence on the Greg Bearhalter thing. Do um, you have any new thoughts on that or, or where are you at on that as far as the U.S. men's manager going forward?
0: As as a lot of these jobs kind of open up, right? There's people getting fired from bigger national teams. There's, you know, other coaches becoming available, um, I think before I was, I was definitely on the fence, but more towards a Greg stay. Let's see what we can build. Maybe he's going to learn to be a better, better manager. Um, I can't say that guys like, you know, Tuchel cool, thinking about the Germany job and stuff like that. Hasn't like turned my head. Right. Cause there's a lot of time between now and then. And if you can get somebody else in there to push buttons and and just see things differently. Right. Um, I, I would love that. The only thing I want to make sure I, I say we avoid is, one, I think Greg has done a lot of really good things, right, with recruitment. Uh, tactically, I don't think he's the best, but, you know, he does a lot of other things. The players seem to like him, right, outside of Geo for whatever's going on with that. Um, but if you can get somebody in here who truly, like, knows the game, not a, not a Jurgen Klopp, not bringing in somebody who – or not Jurgen Klopp um, – Klinsman, I apologize, complete opposite. Somebody who doesn't know the game, Jurgen (laughs) Klum. No, somebody who doesn't exactly, you know, managed at that high level before, like Jurgen Klinsman before he took the U.S. job, right? There were kind of horror stories of him going to a back three when they've never practiced it before and that kind of thing. So I want to be cautiously optimistic about maybe hiring somebody new, um, but not just going for a name right somebody that's proven track record is what i'm what i'm looking for
1: yeah i think where i've decided i fall on it is that i think greg has done so much good for this team as a whole i think that people that don't acknowledge that are very biased in their takes of him look i i think greg was always fighting an uphill battle of His brother obviously works within the confederation, um, the association, I mean, sorry. And it was always a little like, even myself, it was fishy when this guy got the job, Greg, that is. It smelled of corruption and stuff like that. But I think you have to give Greg a lot of credit for, look at where the culture of this team was in 2017 like we talked about uh, versus now like this team's culture is so so good i i'm a big believer in where there's smoke there's fire and when all these guys are talking about the team in such a good light i believe yedlin came out which is a guy that was on other national teams at world cups he Mm -hmm. says this team's so close this team's the closest team i've ever been on Blah 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 i think greg's done so much good for that at the same time though i think that um Greg's gotten a lot wrong tactically and I, I think it's harsh I think that if maybe even if we're like a and I don't mean this is shots at them but like a maybe sl- like not as far along on their psych- soccer cycle is like a uh, I don't even want to say it people might get mad but like a Canada I know they finished ahead of us in qualifying but like I don't think Canada should high, like, fire John Herdman. I think he's done a great job with their culture, and I think that he's a young manager that's kind of... I think him and Greg are a lot, like, very similar. But I think when you look at the U.S.'s talent, the U.S.'s talent is further along than Canada's as a whole, at least on the whole spectrum. I think Canada has super good players and good pieces, but when you look at the team as a whole, I think the U.S. has more talent. And I think that... Greg has not gotten the most out of that talent. Like the Gio Reyna thing, I think in general it was the right decision of the way he handled the World Cup, but that was more a detriment to how he handled the team leading up to the World Cup that he hadn't thought of ways to get all his best players on the, on the pitch at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, So I think that I am in the camp now of Look, if Greg would like to stay along as some type of assistant coach or something, I don't think he's like, look, realistically, he's not going to want to do that. No, I mean, he,
0: he, and he shouldn't want
1: to, and that he shouldn't be. want to do that. He shouldn't want to accept a demotion. Um, I think he's great for the culture of the team. I think he's great, great vibes, good vibes guy. But I think this team for them to take their next step, I think I'm in the camp of they can just get somebody tactically. They can get the most out of this team and in particular, Get their best players on the pitch at the same time. Find a way to play that gets all your good players on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I I think maybe, and this is a little bit of a, a me centric example, but like, I think a really good example of this is like that young Chicago Cubs core before they won that title, right? They had a couple different managers, and then Rick Renteria was a guy that like was the manager before Joe Madden, right? And he got a lot of credit at the time, right? Of like, oh, this young team, he's really bringing them up. And they pulled the plug. I I have a lot of bad things to say about Cubs management since then. But pulling the plug when Joe Madden became available and putting in an elite level manager, right, who's going to be able to take this team to the next level, that's what we're looking for, right? I don't have any any super, super problems with Greg until you tell me who's out there, right, until you start saying, yeah, um, I don't know who I I can't really think of an example off the top of my head, but just to pick a guy who doesn't have a job right now, right? Until you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the U.S. men's national team could bring in Tuchel. Oh, okay. Fire Greg today, right? Like if, if, that's, if that's the case, right? If you can actually go get a top level coach like that, right? And I know Tuchel just got fired from Chelsea, but... I still think the guy's a hell of a coach, and I think he'd be great in the knockout tournament system. Hell, he won the only one we let him stay in with Chelsea. He won the only knockout tournament we let him play in. Um, Like, I I just think something that level, right? Bring in a Joe Madden, right? Bring in a Phil Jackson. If there's somebody out there who can really get this job done and bring a team over the edge, splash the cash, make the money, get out of here, Greg. Sorry about your Thanksgiving with your brother.
1: I... I agree in general that if you can get some type of elite manager to come in, I support that just specifically on the Tuchel thing. I, I need us not to put that in the ether because I would love for like Christian Pulisic to come on this podcast one day. Uh, that's like goals, you know, hashtag goals and he hates that guy. So maybe not too cool. And specific- there's it, like- been some
0: time, maybe, maybe, you know, cooler heads prevail and it's not like Tuchel's got a lot of people to pick over him. <laughs> Mason Mount's but, not. Mason Mount doesn't have any U.S. eligibility. Trust me, I checked. <laughs> um, but like, I, I I just mean it in that way of like he's the easiest sure. currently unemployed example. Well, right? Like another, I'd Mauricio Pochettino. To be, yeah, Pep, Merck's, come
1: on in, bud. Right, but like Pochettino's unemployed right, too. Yes. Yeah, I, I, you, but like I I also think that like those level of guys probably aren't gonna coach the u.s if i'm being honest like i i I love that idea don't get me wrong and i love that idea i just don't think necessarily the u.s would probably throw boatloads of cash at those guys i think they're well-established club managers but i i think there's some guys in mls that look good that could maybe become the coach of this team i would like somebody that's somewhat at least in some semblance, a little bit familiar with like ConcaCaf. I, I think that it's a little bit unique in its challenges. If you just get a guy straight from Europe, um I look, I, I think that's the highest level of soccer's over in Europe, obviously, but ConcaCaf's fucking weird, man. Like people don't get that ConcaCaf's a little weird. I would like somebody a little bit familiar with it. But at the same time, if you ever were gonna bring in somebody that wasn't familiar with it. Uh, This is probably the cycle since we're probably not going to have to go through qualification or worry about, you know, a way date. So like at Honduras or Jamaica or anything like that. So if if you ever were going to go for that, it's probably the time of going for like a big European manager. But I I think, yeah, you you want somebody that tactically can really match up with some of these top managers, because I think if we look at Louis van Gaal, like. I, I, I don't know. Remember him at United, man. I don't think either of us think at this point in his career he's one of the best managers in the world. And no, and and he, elite, he managed elite like we said, he managed managers. Greg back to the locker room.
0: Yeah, sorry. Elite club managers are not the same thing as elite national team managers, right? And I know like Southgate isn't exactly elite, but he didn't set the world on fire, right? He was kind of a young up and coming manager right before he got the England job, but I believe he got fired from like a mid – you know, like wasn't he fired before then and like on TV and then he got the England job? Correct me if I'm wrong, but like sometimes that's how you find the good coaches here. So I'm saying right now I don't know who it will be. I'm just throwing out big names of club soccer, right, because that's who we have – that's who I have at my disposal here. But what I want to do is bring in the Joe man, bring in the right guy, bring in someone who's more tactically advanced and has seen all of this, right? Let Greg do all the recruiting a year and a half before the tournament, fire him, bring in somebody else.
1: I heard somebody the, the other day, they suggested, uh, Irv Renard, the manager of Saudi Arabia. You, you got his pressing. <laughs> you take a picture with Leo Messi at the center line. Like, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's not the worst idea. I don't know, but I don't know who it is. I honestly, I've heard a million names thrown out since what happened, happened against the Netherlands. Um, and look, I, I walked the fence on Saturday on our reaction pod. I, I just think that for this team to take its next step naturally, I, I would say I appreciate, Greg, everything you've done. I think that you've done a lot to turn this team emotionally around. But yeah, I think it's... Greg might rise like look Greg could go and coach another national team in Europe or something possibly maybe like even uh, Australia or something he might take a team to nice heights I like I said the other day I could see him getting better tactically at some things Southgate said as much as like he was out managed and Greg had more like management experience than him like in the aftermath of that match and I think there's potential there for him. Like there's potential with a lot of the guys, but I think for this team to really make a lot of noise in 2026, they need to look for somebody that's really in tune with the game and tactically at the top level right now, not might be at the top level in a few years.
0: Yeah. um, I I think I just kind of want to end on saying like, as much as I'd love to see us get whoever that's going to be, to be the perfect right button. I'm not calling for his job today. Right. I think he did a great job. He he overachieved in this group stage, right? Getting us out of it. Didn't do didn't get it done against the Netherlands. The Netherlands are a good team, right? <clears throat> but right now it looks like he's kind of gotten the team as far as it can go, right, under him. Um so I think that's why more it it's been more of a shift from us to a more open to Greg being out than um I don't know. I, I was pretty happy with Greg Saturday, and now I'm less happy with it as we get time. But we'll see as, as time goes on here. But um, we just wanted to make sure we gave you guys kind of our, uh, our recap thoughts on the USMNT. We'll never not have thoughts on them. Um, it's an absolutely great thing if you're up in the middle of the night worrying about center back depth hit us up at fish fries pot on twitter we will probably have almost an immediate response for you about our concerns about the team but like um it, it's one of our favorite things to think and talk about and 100 percent, it's important to get kind of our our temperature i think uh as we as we kind of go away from the men's the u.s men's national team for a while
1: yeah um Like we said, hopefully there's a Copa America in our future. Something for us to talk about before 2026 because I fucking need it, man. But yeah, um, I'm pretty sure we could hop on every week and just do in the middle of the barren desert of the Sahara of U.S. men's national team fixtures. We could get on and do an hour and a half about them. But wrapped it up into a little over half an hour at the end of this one. But I think... uh, I'm about ready to get out of here, Andrew. You got much else today, my friend? No, uh, just a reminder to hit us up
0: on social media on Fish Fries Pod on Twitter. Uh, follow the podcast, like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know we are here to talk about it. We will be happy to talk about anything you want us to talk about here. But um, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm ready for the. For the next round of games here, Spencer, I am i don't know what to do without immediate soccer in the morning tomorrow. It's going to be such right. a long day.
1: I know. I don't even know how to get through a work day without soccer games at this point. I'm very confused. So you, oh,
0: neglected podcasts over the past month. I'm going to have to try to read down. I, and be like, what is I'll be sitting.
1: Yeah. I'll be sitting there doing the, like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> thing tomorrow during the day of like,
0: but it's, I, I don't know I, what I, to stream on my phone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I Catch up on a few podcasts, a couple maybe non soccer podcasts. I know I've seen some stuff. We're gonna start like
0: a we're gonna start like a book club or something like that. But just like we'll just watch, you know, we'll stream some TV series for like three hours a day while we're at work, just the same way.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll just you know crank crank up the streaming. Just maybe watch, I don't know, (laughs) some weird obscure old show that i need to catch up on or something but i'll, I'll have to figure it out man because yeah the lack of games is definitely going to throw me for a loop in the morning tomorrow but we got really good soccer games coming up so i guess i can wait for a few days just a couple never too far down the road there is always
0: more soccer but uh i think i'm ready to get out of here buddy
1: same same We'll uh We'll talk to you guys here soon, probably early next week after we get these quarterfinals done. Look ahead to the last four, the final four. And, uh, yeah, I I can't wait to see what happens. There's a lot. Of, look, we went through that snake draft earlier, man. I think legitimately six six of those teams have a really, really good shout in this. So I'm mean, I'm very intrigued to see where this goes, Andrew. Me too, buddy. Until then till until then me friend, take care. talk to you guys here soon.